This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Hardwood Knox listeners? Dan Pavali here with some quick housekeeping notes before we get to our deep dive on the Wizards and Sixers. And just as a note there, we recorded this podcast before the Wizards beat the Clippers. And holy hell, wow, Wizards, just wow. They're on a little bit of a tear by their standards. As always, I do want to remind you to please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're getting your podcast, but especially on iTunes, whether or not you use it, just go to iTunes, search Hardwood Knox, throw us that five-star rating write a review. Those help a ton. But also just sort of a mini announcement. We are going to be recording our weekly mailbags, which will be publishing every Monday still via the Locker Room app now. And so what you basically can do there, we'll send out a link that'll be with this podcast so that you can you know keep track of that. And we'll tweet out a link when we're going into the Locker Room. You're basically going to be able to listen to it live if you haven't used a Locker Room app before. We'll even take questions live if we hopefully get enough people listening. But we'll have questions in the bank. We already have some of them in, in the vault to use, and then we'll always solicit them every week. And then that will still be published as a podcast on Mondays, it should be, unless we have something more pressing to go up before it. So nothing essentially changes for this podcast feed, but please come check us out. Talk with us live. Um, we've bandied about the idea of starting a Discord channel, but we just weren't sure if we have the support for it, we have a ton of listens to every episode and we love every single one of you guys who do, whether you hate, listen to us, actually enjoy us or indifferent to us. We appreciate all of you. It's just with national podcasts, it can get, you know, uh, the relationship is awkward or not awkward, decentralized, detached, because this isn't regional coverage. And, you know, if you want to go, you know, for hours long, deep dives into the Charlotte Hornets, you know, check out, the Charlotte Hornets podcast on Blue Wire, and there are other writers that you could go to. Um, so we understand that there's that zoomed out perspective, but we do try and interact with you guys as much as possible. We hope that you enjoy this podcast, and if you can can talk with us live, speak with us live, engage, that'll that'll help, and that'll just also be fun. You know, just another way for us to connect with our listeners, whom again for the 80th time, we super duper appreciate. So. There'll be more information on this as we, you know, basically tweet out the live links. If you have not already, though, definitely go download the the locker room app on your phone first and foremost. Be on the lookout for more announcements via Twitter. We'll send out rem- maybe reminders the next couple podcasts at the beginning. Um, but 
again, this is something that's, you know, we're test driving this for us. We want to make sure that you're there, you're listening, you're engaging with us. We would love to take live questions. That would be the the goal here. And maybe that could lead to a Discord channel so that, you know, we can talk amongst ourselves outside of the podcast. I will send you all of my bad trade ideas. Um, they range from horrid to only like sort of kind of actually terrible. Anyway, though. Let's get to talking some Wizards and Sixers with 48 Minutes' is Chris Kraus. What is up, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you without my fantastic co-host, Adam Frommel. I am, however, super pleased to be joined by Chris W. Kraus. He covers the Sixers, Wizards, and NBA at large. He is also an editor for 48 Minutes. Follow them on Twitter at 48 minutes. That's spelled out. So F O R T Y E I G H T M I N S 48 mins. So follow them on Twitter. Also, while you're at it, go follow Chris on Twitter at NBA Kraus, spelled exactly as it sounds N B A C R O U S E. And again, covers the Sixers, Wizards, and NBA at large for 48 minutes. And as you could probably tell by that intro, we're going to do some deep dives into the Sixers and Wizards, two teams that we didn't have time to hit in depth um, before the season started when we recorded like a zillion podcasts in the span of two weeks. And he, Chris exists. I said this to him when I reached out, he exists in like this really cool niche of you cover the Sixers and the Wizards, which is just not, you know, two teams that most people normally cover. So Chris, after that long winded intro intro, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, do you get that a lot that you like you cover the Sixers and the Wizards predominantly? Like that's just not like that. That it's a specialty that's just so damn unique. I'm not the first person to cover two teams. I will say that you know normally it happens where you see like you know someone's like doing like Nets and Knicks coverage. Maybe someone's doing like you know like Orlando and Miami. It kind of makes sense. But even then, like you know that, that's 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 a pretty far distance between the two. Um, I think I'm the only person doing both of these specifically right now. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a weird year, uh, you know, for everybody in all fields. So, you know, I, I figure, you know, with the double coverage, why not get a little weirder, you know, this NBA season? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they're in the same division. And so, I, you know, and you cover the league at large too, but it's just like, I've never seen those two specific beats put together. You sort of alluded to it. Like it would normally be Lakers Clippers or, or Knicks Nets, like sort of in there. So never, se- I've never seen Sixers and Wizards tied together. So I respect it. Yeah. And, and their fan bases are, uh, Two different kind of fan bases, and I can't speak for all NBA Twitters. Um, both the fan bases I love, I love particularly, but like the the Sixers fan base are very passionate. They, you know, some people may have said they're like a toxic ex, you know, whatever. Or, you know, one day they love you, next day they don't. Wizards are like a they're like a mother that's that has like every player is their first child, and <laughs> you know, and and like you know that 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 is fantastic. But you know, like there there is a you know when when you're when you're criticizing Garrison Matthew and that's not okay. Or like you know, or at least like that's not a, you know, that's not anything anyone wants to hear. Then you know, like it's it's like okay, Garrison Matthews is probably not going to get you, you know, uh, Andre Drummond, right, or whatever it is. You know, it's kind of have that, and you know, every, every fan base has that kind of thing too. Um, it, it, was, it was funny in the beginning of the year, I I, I like proposed like a like a fake trade for, um, uh, I think it was it was Ben Simmons for like a lot of picks. Uh, John Wall and both franchises like hated it. They they were they were like it was it was like both, like neither side was happy with this. And I was like, okay, no more fake trades between these two franchises. You but, traded John Wall for Ben Simmons. I don't know why Sixers. No, no, no. no. It, was, it was John Wall, and then uh, this is this was actually when they had Al Horford. I was like, okay, if you send 
my, my proposal was basically like Ben Simmons, Al Horford to the to the Wizards for John Wall, uh, a bunch of young like basically the young assets, and then as many like as, as as much picks as they could go out then, and basically you saying I'm all in with Bradley Beal and, and and Ben Simmons, and both franchises were like I would give up John Wall for that. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then like you know it's like it's it was just like yeah it was it was like all right no more no more no more fixed trades between these two franchises because uh you know they're just like they're, they're holding very very dearly to what they have and uh, yeah and and it's, particularly with the with the Sixers with Simmons you know it's like a it's a love hate relationship up there yeah they seem less detached to him or more detached to him than the Wizards seem to Isak Bonga where he's very much among fans on Twitter it seems like there could be savior and then with Sixers fans it was like yeah we would trade Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal. Yeah, uh, you know, and and yeah, that's the thing. Bradley's value has just like I think the Harden trade has really uh, skyrocketed him his value as well because he's kind of like the last, like like he's the last like star. People have decided uh, he is the next star that's going to leave, and it's without look. So let's just start with the Wizards. By the way, we'll do the anti um, clickbait thing where normally you would start with the Sixers and stuff the Wizards at the end. Let's go to the Wizards. They've people decided that Bradley Beal is just the next star out, and just the reporting is so strong that he doesn't want out, and he's just said it at least alluded to it so many times. And I know things can change, but it's interesting how you know his value is definitely through the roof, particularly when the star market is so bare right now. But they've like this is a very this is just a situation where it's not identifying a star that might want out. People have just decided that he needs to get out. Yeah, and I just don't see it like. Like he is ingrained in, in in the franchise. Like they are, they are like they treat him like LeBron has gotten treated in the Cleveland in the past, right? Like you you have, you have a say on personnel. You're there, you know. Like there's really nothing that as long as they can do it, they're gonna they're gonna help him like win. They're gonna help him be more comfortable. They're gonna make everything around him better, right? And uh, you know, I don't think he's gonna get that. Like most most people, mo- most players don't get that in franchises. So I think he values that a lot. So it's not just hey, you know, the Wizards aren't winning. Let's just trade Beal. Let's blow it up. It's like it's like Beal's building something here, getting better every year. And uh, he, he's you know he's he's at a point where you know he's capable of carrying a team. Now I, I think they're gonna be much better in the second half because they had they've had some issues in the first half. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't. I, 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 I will. I will be shocked if he got traded before the deadline. Now, beyond that, it, it really depends on a lot of stuff. But he's committed to the to, to figuring this out right now, and he's he's kind of in the field with the, um, you know, with with his team right here. And look, I when I sent you an outline, I asked exactly zero Bradley Beal trade questions, and so I feel like as someone who covers the league nationally, I would like a small trophy for doing that. But I'm with everything you said there, where. Long term, I think you could say this about any player and team. Their relationship is probably going to end at some point. If something does happen, I would I would hazard that this is something that gets resolved over the off season rather than mid season for a team that's like still trying to figure it out. Where it's you know the, the defense has picked up a little bit in recent weeks, and Russell Westbrook is perked up, and Davis Bertans is shooting well again, and everyone's in it in the East. And there's also the argument to be made that is this really the season to make a major move? Um, amid the the pandemic when just all the results are i don't know the the word's not skewed but like how valid are they like what can you take away from this season where i'm not going to discredit who wins the title or who's playing well but if a team does poorly or like can't figure out its direction it's just such a bizarre circumstances and so i too would be i'd be shocked if he winds up getting moved at the at the deadline yeah and 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 i i still think regardless of where they're on the standings like they're they know where they want to be and there's a goal to get there and if they don't you know it's 
you know, it, it's a weird year and there's kind of like these built in like excuses, I guess, which is not, not, not to say that, you know, if, if they end up being like the worst team in the East, which I don't think that's going to happen, but like if they end up being the worst team in the East, that there shouldn't be some consequence, like, you know, like at, at some, you know, something's going to happen, like, you know, firing or, 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 you know, player, you know, some, some sort of player acquisition in the off season. But um, yeah, they're, they they have a set direction and they're not letting like a dip in in their in their production right now affect like kind of their long term strategy for the year. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art. Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is, you get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Check out our description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Make summer memories in Hampton. Visit the Virginia Air and Space Science Center. Discover 400 years of history at Fort Monroe and explore our wide open beaches. Purchase your Sea to Stars ticket and plan your trip today at visithampton.com. I don't see their long-term direction. I'm going to be honest with you. They feel sort of aimless because you need, I think, Russell Westbrook to really hit at some point. And maybe that's a good place to, to start with him is that he has perked up uh, a little bit. But he's still shooting sub 35% on jumpers, sub 54% on layups, which is for Russell Westbrook, that's not great. And he's getting to the rim less. Just what what are you seeing from him? And have you been impressed with anything lately? What what concerns you long term about this? What is the is there a key to him becoming a, a real value to the Wizards over the next couple of years? Because he does have two years on his deal left after this one. Just what have you seen from him specifically lately? But if you have any, you know, longer term concerns based off watching the entire season. Um, I don't know about longer term concerns. I was I was very worried earlier in the year just by watching how he was playing. It reminded me of when Derrick Rose came off his first injury, and you could tell like he wasn't driving as much, and like that was part of his game. You know, he needs he gets to the, he gets to the hole, and then like it opens up other parts, so he's able to help teammates and do that. And Russell wasn't doing that, and I'm like, oh, there might be something wrong here. Like did did like did Houston know something or the whatever? Like who like or maybe they just like more comfortable with this risk than John Wall's risk, but this is still like not a great risk. Um, he's, he's got a little bit better. He's got a little more aggressive, uh, sense. And I think, I think, you know, t- taking more of those shots and, and kind of, he's got to put his body out there. I mean, like, this is like, it, it, it's his job of what he does. And it's tough because like, you know, there's this notion of like, do we want Russell to be doing this right now? Because it'll, that those last two years are not going to look good. I mean, they went in the training camp with a no Russell, no, no Russell Westbrook dunk rule. Like he wasn't allowed to dunk. They didn't want him taking those extra jumps. And like, I've never heard of that before. I don't know. I mean, but like, I understand the risk management part, part of it, but um, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of these little things that make you worry, but right now, if you're getting this, what, what we're seeing on the court right now, um, I still think you can, you can, you can put out a good product with this version of Russell Westbrook. I think that there is, um, 
probably one more piece that the Wizards need to get if they're going to like actually be a good playoff team over the next two years, though. Yeah, they're definitely. Uh, well, let's just keep going this way. Youngster check-ins here. What are you seeing from Rui Hachimura this season? You know, Rui, Rui I, I like Rui a lot. He's basically at the threshold now if he's playing basically one whole season because he missed some time last year and it was shortened season and this season being shortened. So, so he's essentially just entering his second year. Um, I, 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 the comparison I like, and I, I've heard comparisons of like, oh, he's like Kawhi Leonard. He's like that kind of player could have that kind of rise. I think he's more like LaMarcus Aldridge um, in that you're going to see him, you know, like I think ultimately he should really play the five more. Um, I know he's not he's, he's not quite as big as not as long as, as as you would like for that. But if they're not going to if they're not going to defend the paint, you know, in, in an elite level, you might as well attack it from a different angle. Um, but I, I do like him. I, I do like him long term. I think he's a piece there. Um, and I think uh, if, if you just went around the other pieces, I mean, Denny, uh, you know, like like Denny Avid is like he he just has such a feel for the game and. Uh, my, my biggest worry about him is I think he's the most effective when he has the ball and he's going to grow that way. And, and, you know, whether he's the piece that can also be with Bradley and, and, uh, and Russell, I think that might be the biggest concern, but, but Rui, I mean, Rui can be the third or fourth guy and do it really well. Um, so I, I think, I think Wizards fans have something really good there as far as his role and, and his projection. Yeah, there's I, the shooting is still definitely a concern with him, but he's finishing so well at the rim this year. He's close to 75% there right now. And something that does intrigue me is this is now year two, and you know it's count, they're only 13% of his shots, but he's at 41.2% on really long twos, um, 16 feet out to the three-point line. That's after shooting 42.9% on those same shots last year. And it would give me hope, I think, that he should be able to back it up more. And we've seen his three-point attempt rate go up this season, and maybe that number improves. And we've seen the dip in his free throw percentage, but like he was 82.9% last year, and he's 70, almost 77% this year. And so those indicators to me seem like, as you know, I don't think he's going to be hitting these crazy jumpers off the dribble from that deep. Um, but it feels like he might be someone who long-term can extend his range to where he becomes even more of a compliment because now, you know, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, defenses still have to respect him, and he's just you know there's more room for Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook specifically to navigate. Yeah, I think he can mitigate that a little bit. I think that's a good point. He definitely needs to be more of that. You know, if he's going to continue to play the four, or even sometimes he's play the three, depending on who they have out there. But um, like I think you can mitigate that by having you just need other shooters around him, right? And especially with if you have him and Russell on the floor, then the other three guys need to be shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is why you're seeing Garrison Matthews in the starting lineup, which is why you're seeing uh, Mo Wagner in the lineup as well. Um, and uh, I, I just think like like yeah, you you have, to, you have to realize what he is, and I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head there it, it, at what he is right now. Um, and you can hope that he like expands the game, but in the meantime, you gotta you you gotta kind of accept him for what he is and 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 the level of growth that he's given you. Uh, so you you briefly mentioned um, Denny Avia before. He's actually exceeded my expectations. I'm surprised that you're concerned about what he does off the ball. I mean, he definitely looks a lot more fluid at this level on the ball than I thought, but his just offensive bag in general is so much more deeper than I thought, where maybe I thought he was probably going to struggle to do some work on the ball, and that just hasn't really been the case for him this season. And so how do you feel about him long-term? What do you think about his fit with the with the rest of this roster, assuming the the skeleton of it remains in place moving forward? Yeah, I think I think he has really high upside as far as his whole career. I just... I, I see him. I mean, he's he's a player who I think is going to need the ball, or at least like need it more than he's been getting. I mean, he's in the second unit now. That's probably the right role for him. I know. I know. Like, 
you know, he's a top 10 draft pick. You want to start him right away. But, like, he's going to get more run and, and much more uh, concentrated. Uh, he's going to be much more piece of the offense if he's in that second unit. So that might be where he actually sticks for the foreseeable future, as long as the first two stars are there. But, yeah, I think – and he could eventually grow into a piece that is one of your top two guys. Um it's just it's just a little bit of an awkward fit because I think that he needs he 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 needs the ball, but his passing is just it's it's like it reminds me of Pau Gasol. Like it's just like okay, like you know, like 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 you you watch Pau like you know in, in those Laker days, and you're just like okay, you can just do so much if you can just see all these angles and 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 having Denny do that at so such a young age, it's uh it, it gives you a lot of reason to, to to really believe in the future. Yeah, he. He had this pass. Uh, I can't remember who they were playing that I was watching. I think it was a it was a the Raptors game where he just uh, he he just makes just smart passes where it's like he's wide open in the corner. VC's defense is coming at him, so he's able to find um, one of the Wizards just camping out around the basket where it's it's kind of the obvious pass, but would have been so easy not to see. And he can make some really good decisions uh, in transition and like these quick. You know, maybe he doesn't even have the ball because like he's making these these quicker second passes too, and. Uh, you watch them more than I I do, just a ton. So you know your concern about his fit with the roster as of now, then that's definitely salient. I'm wondering then, does he just look much better on a version of the Wizards that doesn't include Russell Westbrook? Then, if your end goal is to is to really start him and and put him in a position where he could make more res- responsibilities, because Russ can do some stuff off um, Denny Avdia too, where you know if Russ gets going in transition and they have you know him off to the you know running strong side, or if you want Russell Westbrook to cut more, but just like he's not a threat. Um, as a jump shooter, and so you get into problems with the half court. And if if the concerns are, oh, we need to get Denny more reps, and you don't want to view him as a second unit guy long term, he probably looks a lot better on this team if Russell Westbrook isn't on it. it, it it's just it's just an awkward fit, but I but I do think that Denny has a lot of room to grow, and you know he'd easily you know expand the parts of his game where he's off the ball, and that's a, that's a skill, right? There's a reason why like. Like you go to G League tryouts and everybody looks good with the ball in their hands. Like no, like 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 half these players have never had to be the second unit and never developed those skills. Um, and I and I think that then he has a good chance of actually doing that. Especially you know it, it, he's there, he has the talent, he he has the aptitude, he 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 learns, he like he wants to do it. So he so he, he might get there and it can make it more smoother as the year goes along. Um, I, I do think that it, we're talking about a very small sample size, though. You know, what, like 35 games with, with, with this team, and a lot of players have been in and out. So, uh, I, I, I think, I think, like, I, I think you're probably spot on with like, like seeing what you see, and like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed because it is impressive given the circumstances. How much money is Garrison Matthews getting this summer when he's because he is a free agent, I believe. I was actually, I was actually surprised that. He stayed that he was like re-signed on a two-way. Con- I thought he was going to get an actual NBA contract because I was so impressed with him last year. Um, in the very few minutes that he played and then that I watched of that, where it's yeah, okay, like I know the shooting stands out, but like there's a little bit more there to him where it feels like he can take some shots off the dribble and you know the number of times relative to how much he's playing, like he can really get to the the foul line. Like that's an actual thing that he can do for your offense. Yeah, and you know it's funny because last year Bradley Beal missed a stretch, and and Scott Brooks basically put him into that role in the offense. Now I didn't do as well, right? It wasn't the exact same, but it was like it was a poor man's Bradley Beal, and so he so he he has that kind of skill set. Now doing it consistently is a whole another another thing, but like I think you're yeah you're going to see somebody take a chance on him. I mean like wings go at a premium, you know, especially if you can shoot. So I. I 
I'm 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 really curious to see. I mean, like the range the range for a wing that that can shoot is probably the most volatile um, as, as far as salaries. I mean, like I don't think we can predict it. Like I think it'd be much easier to predict someone like Alex Caruso or, or like some somebody else in like that 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 that's a that's a you know like an actual point guard or a center uh, than it is to to someone who who can shoot on the wing because we've seen just we've seen crazy contracts and we've seen some guys get stuff that like hmm. Like this doesn't make sense. Like, like why is Daniel House only making this? And like, you know, may, you know, maybe there's other reasons why. Like, you know, like because because he was he was under contract and like there was like you know forces that that kept him in Houston. But like, um, I I I I just feel like the wing market is always so hard to to kind of pinpoint. He's he see I don't I don't want to say he's redundant on this team, but if you have Denny Avia long term and then you have Davis Bertans there, uh, and then you know. You're gonna. I think you need your wings to be just more defensively. Like you don't need to lean into the offense first model any further than you do, and maybe that's where they run into an issue. But he's been like he's an offensive firecracker, and yeah, it'd be nice if he got to the rim a little bit more. But uh, I, I'm always just I'm. I don't want to say I guess I'm not caught off guard anymore because of seeing it from last season. But I'm like sort of always amazed that there's just there's an extra layer to his game than just the shooting that people tend to focus on. Oh, most definitely, and I, I do want to touch upon, um, you know, going away and not not going any, anything more towards the offense. I, I would, if I was running this team, and I don't, I don't have that job, but like, I would just be like, we're all offense. We 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 don't even care about defense anymore. And like, you might say that that already exists, and and we're seeing them get a little bit better defensively. But I would just, I would just go small ball lineups and just blitz people, like put Rui at the five, shooting all around them, and just and just have like the second best offense to leave behind like the Nets. And just and just win games that way, and I think that like, I mean, there's reasons why you want to play defense. It makes life a lot easier, you know, whatever. And you want to like have schemes and play a center and do all that. But I, I, I would have investigated that, um, and maybe they will. You know, maybe maybe they will see. Maybe they'll do like a, a, a little less version of what Houston did last year. Do you think Rui could defend the five though that frequently if he's playing? You know, if you're let's say he just splits his time at the five at this point. He's done a he, he's done a really good job in like. In like low minutes at that spot, and when he gets switches, I, I almost think Rui can guard anybody. You know, I I don't think I don't think the Wizards trade him. I think I think it would take like a lot to get trade him, but like he would be so fascinating on the on, on the Warriors as as like as like another Draymond Green type player who um, you know is obviously younger and has has a little more upside. But like like I think he's like that kind of defender that. You you could look at him and say okay like he's 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 going to be an elite defender um, when it's all said and done if he hits if he hits his stride so yeah I definitely think he could he could really guard like most players in the league um, but he's also like the best defender in the Wizards which is not really saying much uh, right now but but I, th- I I I do think that eventually um, you know as he continues to grow on this projection like he's going to be like he's going to be one of the top defenders in the league and 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 uh, you know maybe maybe guarding centers is going to be like a key to unlocking like the other part of his game as well is Washington out on Isak Bonga and Troy Brown Jr. Their playing time just seems so sporadic for a team that you know, particularly Isak Bonga for what he should bring. I would I would have expected him to have seen the floor more consistently to this point. You know, it was funny because like I watch every, obviously I watch every game I'm there or whatever, and like sometimes I like legitimately forget that Troy Brown Jr. is on the team, and I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah, he's still here. Like like like. I don't know. It's different because you're not in practices every day. Like last year, like you know, obviously, like it's it's like you see you actually see people, you know, in person. Um, you know, on the on you're doing the zooms and you're doing like the 
you know, just basically watching on TV like everyone else until after the game. It's like, you, you like they will never pan to to Troy Brown Jr. for like three games in a row, and it'll be like, like it, it's kind of easy to to forget him. But I I don't really know what's going on with with him. I, I wonder, you know, last year he had some some plateaus in his game, and I wonder if you know what they're seeing in practice and 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 basically like in training camp leading up to the season, they saw the same thing, and they're like, okay, this is we know what he is. There's no there's no upside here to continuing this. And, um, you know, he might just be not in the plans anymore. And Bonga, man, fans love Bonga, you know, and, and, and Bonga is so intriguing because it's like, you don't even know what position he is. Even now he's been in the league for was it's like two plus years. And, uh, you know, like I, I still don't know what, what really he should be playing. He's kind of like a point forward. Who's also like, you could play him at the four. And I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a very uh, unique skill set. It's just like, he just hasn't, um, gotten the opportunity to kind of, to kind of grow his game. And he's, he's also very young. I mean, I think he's like, I think, I think he's 20 or 21. So, um, he'll get, he'll get there. But yeah, I mean like right now I, I, they're just on the rotation regularly. Would you expect Bonga to be on a different team next season? Because he is a free agent. I believe Troy Brown jr. Has one more, one more year left on his rookie scale. Um, I, I would say they, they'll probably bring back Bonga, but like, like just because of Bonga is like, I mean, they're going to be able to put a qualifying offer in for him. So, like, I, they have a little control on, like, if another team makes an offer, right. they have a chance to kind of – but, like, I would say he's probably back because, like, you, you take the risk unless, like, some crazy offer comes in. Like, you know, I, I mean, uh, we, we, we've seen – I mean, we saw, like, the, what, the Tyler Johnson contract a few years ago and, like, restricted free agency and, like, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, sure. If someone if, – if, like, the Kings are, like – if the Kings want to say he's our next Jeremy Grant, he can make the leap, great. They're going to have him. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think he's in the plans. Like you, you would like to see this out. It's just right now, uh, you know, it's not really not room in rotation. But you know, that's always something to change, especially with people in and out of the lineup and you know the, the COVID things, injuries, shortened schedule. Like it's you, you, you really it's it's kind of a luxury to have Bonga at the end of the end of the rotation. Do you think Mo Wagner is going to be more valuable to them as a keeper beyond this season, or someone that they they can maybe move as part of a larger package, or for you know just small time value uh at the trade deadline this year just because he's look he has the thing i'll say is i don't think he's a, a good defender but like he has pretty good hands on defense and like he does a lot on offense like he feels like he's really good finishing in stride um you probably you definitely excuse me want him to hit his threes at a higher clip but he can space the floor for you too and so he, he's an interesting fit on this team that has a lot of question marks at center but it also feels like for what they would need from fours and fives here that i'm not sure that he's like a you know necessarily long for this roster yeah and, and there's some complicating factors right so like they declined like tommy shepherd declined his fourth year option right. um which which puts a limit on how much they can retain him for now he might not get that contract and it might be fine but if they trade him to somewhere else that also gives the same amount of limits so the risk reward is kind of like capped um you know because if he outplays a contract for you he's, he, if he looks that good that you want to give it to him you can't um I'd imagine that unless it's like part of a bigger deal, he's still there throughout the season. He does um, bring that. He brings a little bit of shooting for a five that you that you like. Uh, he, he has grown his game. Like like I I'm, I I I would almost bet if you went back in time and, to, and Tommy Shepard had a time machine, he would he would extend the offer to him based on what, what he's playing this year. But but then then again, if he didn't get the decline, does he does he work as hard? Does he add does he add as much? I mean, it's a it's a butterfly effect, right? But like. Um, and, and quite frankly, one that probably most listeners don't want to hear about the more, the, you know, the Mo, the Mo Wagner butterfly effect, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that I, 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 he's probably, 
likely to be somewhere else next year just based on that. Um, but I think he could. I think he's going to have a decent career, um, whether he's like your second or third, uh, you know, center on your team. Um, he he's kind of carved that out for himself. I was a little um, surprised when they declined his option. I think when did they, they did that in December, I believe, because I know he like sort of fell off last year. But like there was a stretch. I think it was the beginning of the year that he played really well for them. And it was just like, what is this guy costing you? Just why would you decline that uh, rookie scale option? Yeah, I, I was a little surprised too. But, you know, I, I Tommy really hasn't had many misses since he's got there. I mean, the fact that he has Bonga and, and Wagner are like just the fact that he's like maintained flexibility with his roster spaces, right? Because like th- that happened as part of the Anthony Davis deal. And, and basically, I like, like uh, you know, if you kind of recall, like it, the Lakers need to dump more salary than they thought they had yep. to. They, they they got to the cash register with not enough money, and like you know, and 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 Tommy was right there, just like I got some spaces, like we'll take these assets, and like it, it's worked out. I mean, like like you take those kind of chances all the time. So I think that might have been behind it. It's like okay, like having the roster spot and not having a little bit of extra, you know, not being tied down with this guy. I think he, I think he took a calculated risk. Um, not not necessarily wrong either because like you know he might not get more than what they can offer him from i think it's like four million dollars he might not get it but he might and uh in that case it's like it also it also like diminishes him as a a trade asset as well um so yeah i'm with you there it was was a little curious but um one of those things i like to say it's like process over outcome and the outcome wasn't great here but i i kind of see where he was going with that yeah, it was still just a little bit surprising to me. Um, the Jerome Robinson one was obviously not surprising at all. The thing that's probably most int- – well, maybe not but to me about this team right now. So since Valentine's Day, they are eighth in points allowed per possession. Are you seeing anything that would suggest this is a real change? Is it a product of maybe the schedule they've played? They have opponents are shooting sub 35%, I believe, on wide open threes during this stretch. Or is there something here that's just more sustainable and maybe they've turned a corner? Yeah, I think it's twofold. I mean, that, that coincides with um, Garrison Matthew and, and and Wagner coming into the into the starting lineup, which I think is really the right move now. I mean, that's not a sustainable long term playoff lineup, but like you, you got to work with the lemons that you have to make the lemonade. And I think that they, they they did a good job there. And I think the defense intensity and effort has has come up a little bit better. And people are like people like the team is getting uh, like basically a full their full win back. Um, you know, it's no secret like a lot of these players didn't play defense for an entire year, right? And, you know, you could say, oh, it's just effort you used to turn on a switch. Well, it's, it's really hard to turn on a switch and kind of pace yourself throughout a game when you haven't done it. Like, look at what LeBron is doing right now at, at his age. He's able to, to be at a high level for the entire game. And part of that, he's like, he knows how to pace himself as far as energy. Now, not everyone can play at that level, but you, but every player needs to have that, like, understand what that does so now if you're exerting effort on defense a lot more you're going to be way more tired at the end of the game and i think it took a little bit to get that um back after like a season of just like literally playing ping pong with other teams in the basketball court um i i, I know that's that, that's like a that's like a little bit deep and maybe like an outside uh, uh like 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 maybe more conspiracy thing kind of thing but i i really think that's like like, like that, that's kind of what I believe is happening here. I think, I think it took a little bit to get the, uh, like the conditioning, the right conditioning, understanding how to pace yourself throughout the game, especially for like feel and the top guys that are, that are playing the allotment of minutes. So what's the end game here right now for them this season? They, if we're, we're both going to assume they keep Beal, which I think is a more than reasonable assumption at this point. Do you just stand pat? Do you make a smaller buy 
at the trade deadline. Uh, they're look, they're you could say that they're like on the cusp of the the playoff picture because they, as we're recording this, they're in eleventh place, which is only you know two losses back of the play in, but it's it's also only three losses back of the the four seed in the Eastern Conference as well. So, like, what is what do you see for this team for the for the rest of this season? I mean, it's an interesting position there, and because like they. Unless they want to make a big move, because like most of their guys with with, with higher salary cap, um, like like they are not guys that are going to bring some like 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 for example like Robin Lopez at you know seven point three million, uh, Ish Smith at six million. They're not going to bring back anybody probably better than what they already have, right? Just alone, mm-hmm. right? So do they want to attach an asset? Do they want to attach a younger guy? Maybe somebody wants to take a flyer on Troy Brown Jr., you know, uh, Bonga or one of these other guys. But I I think it's. Unless they go and take, I think it's more likely they strip they, they strip some of these veterans down, like trade them for, for for multiple picks, like like Robin Lopez. I could see getting traded. I mean, he's been great for 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 what what they expect him to be, kind of the second center. Um, you know, they they never expected Thomas Bryant to go down, so like you know, you don't want to have him in the starting lineup. But like, I think it's more likely they they, they strip down some of the veterans and try to get the right pieces around these guys because, um, you know, if. Beal is actually going to be there for another year, and 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 Westbrook's two years under contract. I think it's most important right now to get the right guys around them. And um, one of the interesting things that, that I heard a couple of weeks ago was like, you know, the Chris Porzingis thing, and like him being like out, like you know, potentially on a rumor. Like the Wizards were like monitoring that. They were like, mm-hmm. okay, like if we brought in a third guy, it has to be this guy. Now you, you don't know what the price tag will be. You know, there's like wide range of opinions on on on, on Porzingis and. You know, and, and we talk about the offense-defense thing. It's not going to be a – that's not a defensive ad. Um, but, you know, like I think I think they're looking out for those kind of big deals. But, like, it's – I think it's unlikely you see anything crazy this year just based on based on who they can trade and, and what kind of value they can give up and um, also where they are in, in the standings. But, but they should be able to rise just with more continuity, though. Is the – what's the most realistic improvement then for them to make at the trade deadline? Does it improve the, you know – the Ishmith minutes weren't going well when he was healthy. Um, is it getting an upgrade over him and uh, Raul Neto? Is it getting a wing of some sort? Is it getting another big? What do you think is the most realistic um, type of improvement that they'll that they should look to make or actually will make at the trade deadline? See, I, I do think they need a wing, right? Like the, the Garrison Matthews story is nice and what, what he does for them. Um, you know, and. and you can say maybe maybe there's other more pressing issues like like a like an actual center that can defend the rim. I just don't know where you're going to find that. So I think it's more likely that you can find another rotation piece if you're willing to give up picks or assets. Um, so I, I, I would I would target that like that the three because the three is really it, it, as an overall uh, roster, not including like Thomas Bryant being out because next year they hope Thomas Bryant comes back and he fills that spot at the five. Mm-hmm. The three is, is is their biggest problem long term and short term. Um, and even with Denny, which I think I think Denny ends up being like a four for them, um, and a four in the NBA rather. Uh, I think I think you still look at that like three that you know that wing that that can kind of like defend a little better um, as as their biggest need. Okay, so to wrap up with them, three quick hitter questions: Do they make the play-in or playoffs this season? I would say yes. I, I was I I would say there was a lot. Early in the season, you know, Westbrook being out, a lot of players in and out, you know, they they, they they had half their team get COVID and they couldn't, like, run, you know, for a while. 
and they had to go play like they came back unconditioned to play. Not not, not that they could do anything else. They they were recovering, so it's like you needed to like you need the, you need the time to get back in the conditioning. And the season just carried on. Um, I think that they're gonna like come out. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they get somewhere a couple games below five hundred. Like 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 I would not be surprised if they end up like the seventh or eighth seed and and you know have that have have that like home advantage in, in that play and playing game. But yeah, I think it's it's very very possible for them. The thing that's interesting is they've played the easiest schedule in the NBA to date, I believe, if I'm looking at if this is updated, and they have the hardest schedule remaining in the league. Um, yeah. Over the bat, that's going to be tough for them to crack. Uh, so I would almost, if I had to pick, I mean, the East is just wild. Playing definitely seems reachable, but I'm thinking of like Atlanta getting healthier. Um, Indiana should get healthier. Uh, maybe you see the Hornets and Knicks fall back down to earth. The Bulls are in front of them right now. I'm going to say no. I'm going to be hot taking. Say I don't think they make it. Um, but I don't know. There's a little bit of fool's gold there with the Knicks and Hornets too. This is not the season to predict that. The last two quick hitters I have though are uh, is Bradley Beal on this team next season? I would say yes. Is Scott Brooks the head coach of this team next season? I would say no. Look at that. Just something to monitor. And um, the Scott Brooks thing, because people have been calling for his job, it feels like since he got it, basically. But uh, it would take like something demonstrative going wrong for him to be fired midseason at this point, right? Because I don't even, even if you're hoping to make the playoffs, like what is, like what could you reasonably miss on, you know, unless you lose like 10 games in a row or something along those lines, like what the Rockets are doing right now i just don't know what this team can realistically aspire to that scott brooks would have screwed up in a way mid-season that they they want to start the process uh in the middle of the year yeah no exactly right and i, th- I think that i think there's a chance that he comes back but i think if, if we get to a point where we're looking at playing tournament right now as his best case scenario that was not expectations right expectations where we were like okay we can be a top six seed we don't have to deal with the playing tournament and i think unless brooks does gets to that level then yeah we are talking about a new coach at the end of the year um but yeah no like every it's, it's not like a bad situation like it's it's not a situation that's going to blow up like no one's getting mad at brooks and like demanding that he's gone or like you know like, like we've seen we've seen that with with other coaches other places it's like it's, it's not that kind of situation it's harmonious like like the players love him he's just like he's a nice guy but maybe you need more than a nice guy right now you know going forward are you ready to dive into some Sixers? How's that for a pivot? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. So I don't want to relitigate this too in-depth, but where did you end up landing? And it's like really – I think it's still a fair question to ask because the Sixers are first place in the Eastern Conference, but would they be in a better position without James Harden? Had the opportunity presented itself, and the reporting says that he was on the table and that the Rockets essentially prefer the Nets deal or Tillman Fertitta didn't want to deal with Daryl Morey. If it was the Sixers' choice, would you have included – enough sweeteners to, to complete the James Harden trade or were you very much of the mind that they made the, let's say insofar as it was their decision that they made the right decision not to to, to, to I guess sweeten the package uh, with Ben Simmons enough to to put them on the same level as Houston viewed Brooklyn's package yeah I'll, I'll preface it with uh I own a lot of land on on Ben Simmons Island like I am, I I believe he's going to be a future MVP. I'm I'm an, I'm I'm full on. Like I think he's going to be probably exceeding most people's expectations. Um, I would have done whatever I need to do, including include him and other picks to get James Harden. James Harden's arguably the best player in the league right now. Um, if you know, in, in, in you know, you know whether he's top five, whether he's whatever, he's he could have he could have been the MVP in each of the last four seasons, right? Um, he 
like he's just that good. He puts you in a, in a contender window right now. And if you combine that with Joel, who has been healthy, who has been playing back to backs, but but like we know there's a risk with big man, especially with the kind of injuries that he has. I'm taking my shots and I'm saying, okay, James Harden with Joel and and a decent team around him, really. I mean, like with, with everything else, even if you gave up Maxi, even if you gave up uh, Matisse and you gave up future picks, I would have done it. Um, I you know I just I just I also do wonder if there was anything that Daryl Morey could have offered uh, the Rockets to get. Um, James Harden or whether they were just going to string them along the entire time. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the bigger <laughs> issue here is I don't think they ever had a realistic chance of getting him unless they threw the kitchen sink plus Ben Simmons, which I in real time wouldn't have made the move after watching Harden in Brooklyn. Like maybe it's easier to say they should have. I just don't think what would make me uncomfortable is right. The Ben Simmons Harden swap easy to justify, but the the assets you attach, players you attach to it, like that's where it gets iffy because you are giving up an all NBA caliber player to get James Harden. And so the gap, not only in Harden's talent, but in the window in which you can compete for a title with him needs to meet or exceed that outgoing value. And that's where the, the question sort of lied for me. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think, I think, I don't think there's anyone that would say like Brooklyn made a bad trade, you know, given there, but I think that you might've had people if it was a six series, just based on that one actual franchise piece. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm like, the Brooklyn stuff is weird because those picks look shiny now. But if Harden, Kyrie, and KD just stay together, then it's aren't going to be bad for I would say at least three years. Like that's at least three years. And so at that point, like how many swaps and picks have you used up? Um, the fact that they have them going into 2027 is definitely valuable. But I don't think clearly now, like and and with the injuries Brooklyn's dealt with, the limited availability of Kevin Durant specifically. Uh, it's and like it's good to have James Harden, who has been an Iron Man and can carry you to a win basically on any given night without the other two stars. And so I, I definitely think it. I, I forget what grade I gave him when I graded it at the time. It might have been like I didn't fail them, but it might just been like a B minus. I would definitely up that at this point for them. The Sixers, though. So Joel Embiid would be my MVP pick right now if the season were to finish today. What's impressed you most about what he's done, and why is it his off the dribble shooting? You know, not that I'm trying to put words in your mouth. No, it literally, literally that's just another level of his game that you're like, oh my god, like, like, like everything that Sam Hinkie was talking about his resignation letter of all the greatness that Joel could be. Like, you're, this is it, you know. And it's like, it, it's just like to see someone do that and, and and everything else that he does. It's like, like, like I honestly believe he is MVP and he will be unless he unless he gets hurt. Like there is, like, like you, we we both watched the uh, last night against the Jazz and just the. the the way he takes over games, and he, and he did that against the Cavs, and they, they lost against the Cavs on, on Saturday. But he's doing it night after night, where where you're not seeing what he like. You've seen the consistency that you haven't seen before. So I think it's that. I think it's off dribble shooting, uh, and then it's also the consistency with it that uh, is re- is really just it, 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 it's it's really remarkable to watch this season. You're gonna know these. So this is more for the listeners' benefit, and maybe they know them too. But last season, Joel Embiid shot 54 of 162 on pull up. Two pointers. It's that thirty three point three percent. He shot six of twenty on pull up three pointers. That's uh, that's a thirty percent clip. So far this season on pull up two pointers, he is seventy one of one fifty one. That's forty seven percent. And then on threes, he's ten of twenty one, forty seven point six percent. So he's already hit more pull up threes than he did. I would probably say over the past uh, he, more than last season. So six, and he's at ten already so that's just if that improvement is sustainable and i don't 
want to get i think it's easy to be skeptical that it isn't because we've never seen him hit them at this level before but he's also talked about working on that shot before i think it was specifically heading into last season where he was talking about how he could hit these face up off the dribble jumpers and look if he's gonna hit shots like he did the force overtime against utah uh it's i don't know that the sixers need to do anything we talk about what other moves could they make i don't know if they need that other significant piece because i think the thought process there is right well tobias harris and simmons they can't be your primary crunch time weapons and even with nicole Jokic is so good in the clutch there's this thought process that well jamal murray really helps you because you need that from scratch face-up score which Jokic really is i give him the ball in the post and yeah he can dribble going downhill but everyone wants that like winger guard who could do it but joel Embiid is just hitting those shots for the sixers right now yeah, and I think that like you could see this team beating any team in a seven game series. They just have to like their foot is completely on the gas and like you run the risk of it just going of something going wrong, right? Like you are putting so much pressure on Joel to do so much. And I think that the only reason I, w- I would probably say, okay, maybe they they should probably add like another ball handler is to not have Joel do so much right now. And you know, Simmons does a lot when he's there. He he's the other guy, but they don't have that third guy who can be who can kind of take over. And also like a guy who can shoot. Like Kyle Lowry would be amazing, um, just to take some pressure off of it. Kind of like what like Dennis Schroeder is for LeBron and AD. Um, you know, just just to have that other guy that you're not you're just not exerting like top energy on it every night, and you can kind of pace yourself throughout the season. Um, you know, I, I I do think there's a market for them. I think I think Kyle Lowry is probably a name. Um, I would go. I would go around the league. Maybe something. Maybe a guy who's like a little bit cheaper. Um, you know, just salary cap wise, because Danny Green, Danny Green for fifteen million dollars, like trading him is is the easiest way to kind of bring back and add actual value. Um, but yeah, there's there's there, there's a need. But you know, the the team itself. If you're if you're like okay, playoffs started today. Yeah, you would. They can match up with anybody. Ben Simmons. I'm curious what you think about he's shooting incredibly well on hook shots this year basically over 60 percent i think uh for his past 10 or 12 games and he's hit some really this season in general his they're accounting for a larger share of his shots they're not just sort of these you know standstills like backing down guys and then hitting a hook like he's hit some ones on the move he's also done very well in his you know on his post touches which again are not like these monstrous part of his game but they seem like they could be useful counters for someone who at this point we just have to assume that he's not going to ever be like a a moderate volume shooter. And so if he's scoring you, you know, 1.2 points per post possession and they count for 10% of his plays, that's huge. Do you buy into that as like sort of a viable counter once you get the playoff basketball or is there still just like too many obstacles to overcome when you have another player on the floor who's just still not going to be that threat outside of, you know, let, let's be generous and say the paint. And I could, that that's stretching it a little bit too. Yeah, sure. And you know, it, it's, it's a nice wrinkle to his game because, you know, for so long, he could get so close to the rim that it, it almost didn't matter in a lot of ways as long as he had, like, a lot of shooting around him because he could just get down to that that area where he's in that range. And now that he's added this shot at, at a nice efficiency rate, like, it's it's going to be very interesting because if, if the Sixers spread out the floor like they, like they have been with that and kind of, like, you know, play Dwight up at the top or play Joel up, up at the top and, like, kind of let Simmons in, it's it's – it's almost like it doesn't it doesn't spread the floor in a way that you would want like a three point shot. We're not there yet. It's almost like it's the Simmons is like growing himself out to the three point line for whatever reason, like very slowly. Uh, but it, it is a nice wrinkle, and I think it's I, I think it's, it's, it just makes it even more hard to defend down there. It's like it's 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 like another it's like a it's like a dominant post player who 
has the agility of a point guard to get down there. Like, it, it, he, he's very unique in his own way. And I think we get distracted too much by the shooting because this is still a top 25 guy in the league with how he is right now. And there are very few players. Uh, he's firmly in the defensive player of the year conversation at this point. I'm, I'm, I would guess he'll probably finish top three. When I did it a month into the season, I actually had him beat a, a little bit higher than him on my, my ladder when I did my top three predictions for the year. Uh, because I thought Embiid was, you know, he's a he's a monster on defense, but it felt like he was playing up higher at points too, which is having Embiid that could do that was incredible. But he's been um, huge for them, and he could defend any player on the court. There are so few players where you could basically say like, "Hey, go delete that guy from the planet," and Ben Simmons can do that. And so, and then still, you know, sort of disrupt things away from his primary assignment. So, uh, still a fantastic player, and I, I I agree with pretty much everything you said there. If if he's going to hit those shots, if he can do it on the move, like that's the bigger thing. Is like I don't know how much it helps them if he's doing it exclusively from post ups, but if it's you know the sweeping hooks that he's hit a little bit, I think that could end up helping them a bunch in in the postseason. Yeah, the, you know, just just the extra wrinkles he's bringing on, on on really both sides of the floor. Like like defensively, he's like I, I do think he's going to win the defensive player here, which is oh you think he's going to win? Yeah, I, I think he's going to end up getting it. Which was I mean, Doc's campaigning for it, but then you have like Joel in the in, in talking about how that's his goal, and I'm like I'm like it's a little weird, you know. You both you both guys are going <laughs> the same thing. Like it's like it's, and it just goes back to like do these guys fit together? And I think they they've they've made it work the best they can. I mean, everything's like rosy right now. And they've decided um, like, that like these two do fit together in the sense that they don't stagger them as much as they did. Uh, under Brett Brown, and they've done, they've even done things where it's not happening a lot. But I can't remember which game I was watching. But like Ben Simmons was the screener while Joel Embiid was on the floor, and so they're trying new stuff. And I'm fine with them. Just like I don't think it doesn't work. It could work. They're definitely not the cleanest fit. But yeah, there's that level of awkwardness there. I do sort of appreciate though how it felt like at least previously a little bit. The Sixers were trying to like separate them or just be like they have to operate independent of one another almost mm-hmm. even though they were winning the minutes with those two on the floor and it does seem like this season they've just decided that no you know we're going to play our two best players together a bunch because that's what you do yeah exactly they're like we got to get these reps in here they they want all the data they can get i think Daryl Morey is like i need to see I, if we're going to make this work i want to put everything into making this work and i i i think i think it will work i think it's fine like i like, i think it's been very good i i just think the 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 co-campaigning for a defensive player of the year is a little weird like do you remember a a team that had two legit defensive player of the year candidates. No, and they're both probably going to finish in the top five too, right? I, I'd imagine. I mean, you might if, if Joel wins the MVP, he's probably not going to win defensive player of the year just because like how people vote, you know, whatever. But and I'm like, just trying to think of names. It's like Rudy. I think it's going to come down to Rudy Gobert and Ben Simmons at this point, and I still don't know how I would weigh like the Joel Embiid Ben Simmons debate. But Rudy Gobert and Ben Simmons are going to be there. Miles Turner is definitely going to be there. Uh, and then after that, it's like, well, who are you? Who are you going with? There, I don't think Giannis isn't going to have the same love, and the Bucks have done a lot of different stuff defensively this year. Uh, I also think the people are going to look more closely at how he's not necessarily guarding the the best player uh, because they use mm-hmm. him to just you know cover up so much, which is important. So maybe he's still in the top five, but I'm trying to think of you know the names sort of run out soon, and so if, if you're going to say five people are going to finish higher than Joel Embiid on that ladder, I just don't know who they're going to be. Yeah, and you know, I, it, it's been a weird year in that like. You know, I'm 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 zoomed in on these two teams. That the fact that like I haven't seen much of Indiana outside when they play these guys, um, but just from what I'm seeing, I'm like, is Miles Turner's like blocks of it? Is it kind of like empty stats in a way? I mean, he's getting the blocks. It's nice, but like, and, and he obviously has an impact. 
Um, I just I just wonder if like they are as 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 valuable as the stat may indicate, where he's like leading the league and it's by a margin. I think Turner is, and I caught a lot of shit from Pacers fans when I left him off. Um, I aired on the wrong side when I wrote it. It was a month into the season. I probably should have just done a look at where this ladder is right now, but I decided to just make predictions and forecast and. I left him off the top three. The value he has on defense to them is real. Like it goes so far beyond his blocks, just the way that he's able to be in all these spots at once and recover to the rim or or get out and contest jumpers. So I think his value is real, but people do look at the overall defensive standings. And right now the Pacers defense just isn't, uh, you know, if, if we're looking at teams where it's, you know, I would assume you want your defensive player of the year to come from a top 10 defensive team. They're 16th and there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's that's not – Part that stuff gets to me a little bit because it's not fair to say that like Miles Turner isn't playing 48 minutes a game every single game for them, and he's actually shown that he could anchor some lineups on his own because of a lot of the things he's doing defensively. But stuff that factors in is, and they're in the 76th percentile of defense when he's on the court. That should matter, but I don't even know that 76th percentile would be high enough to do it. And then with him specifically, it's well, he's not going to play as many minutes as some of these guys, and if he's going to continue to shoot so poorly from three as he has been lately, are you inclined to limit his minutes and then go with um, some? bonus at the five more so i think there are more uh you know bumps that come into his case but i do absolutely think that he is a transformative defender yeah and I, no, no doubt i just i just like it I, I, and, and i think it's hard I, th- I think we're gonna see some weird stuff in the voting this year because of the condensed schedule i think your average media person that's covering a team is not seeing as much outside of their team as they're used to which is a problem because that you know, we saw Andre Drummond get Defensive Player of the Year votes last year, or a vote sure, yeah, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like okay, like are we like what are we doing? And and this year, it's like you just have more games, more nights, and like like I mean, I, I I've seen Rudy go up against Joel, and I've seen Miles Turner go up against Joel this week, right? And I'm like looking at them, I'm like I'm like, why are either one of these guys Defensive Player of the Year candidates? But you know, I know there's more to the story, right? You know, like like Joel is like probably one of the top matchups, right? For for this. Um, and I mean, he's just, he's just playing out of his mind. So if these are like the best, you know, if, if these are the guys playing the best and he's playing the best against them, I mean, I think that that helps his MVP case. But I think a lot of a lot of writers, maybe narrative might help a little more this year than it has in the past because because you just don't have the time to see multiple games. Because if you're covering your team, then you're then then a lot more of your nights in a, in a congested amount of time is, is taken up. And um, yeah, it's just I, I think I think the narratives around these players are going to creep up as a more uh, as a bigger factor this year. I would actually agree with you. I think that's something that uh, people definitely need to look at because you know maybe it feels like even like maybe Bam should be getting more love in this discussion. But I think to bring this back to the Sixers, I, I absolutely think Embiid and Simmons will both be in the top five. And I can't remember the last time. Maybe it's been recently. I have to go back and look and see when the last time um, two players were from the same team were you know finished in the top like maybe a mike like it, it couldn't be that far away but like a jordan pippen type deal i'm just trying to think of pairings like uh paul george and Kawhi would have that potential but that's not going to happen this year anyway i'm digressing terribly at this point <laughs> what's the biggest change you've seen from tobias harris this season and as a preface i did something where i just ranked shooters relative to the value they were providing on shots from all the different distances i did corner threes, above the break threes, and then mid-range, just because I considered those the perimeter shots. He graded out as one of the 10 most valuable shooters by value added in the league this season. Hmm. And, 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 and you kind of you kind of see that right now, like what he's what he's bringing to this this uh, this team. And I think I think it's two twofold, right? Um, Doc 
the familiarity he has with Doc Rivers, like that's kind of where right. he broke out in, in, in L.A. And when he was in L.A., he was really playing the four. I mean, he was he was paired with uh, Danilo Gallinari as the other forward, who essentially was a three, a floor spacing guy. Um, it's just way better for him to be in that position where where he do, he doesn't have to worry about two big men and the lane is also open and and he can be a little more freer with with how he how they do things and the kind of sets that they run. Uh, I I think I think. I, I just think he may have been like miscasted as, as as a as a small forward for a while, or like trying to fit as that. And I think that's I think it's Doc Rivers' familiarity and I, and and playing the right position now, um, where he has a chance to grow and he can. He, I mean, you could argue that he should be an All Star this year. There was definitely a case for him, and he's, he's got a little fuzzy at the end. I very easily would have taken Trey Bam or uh, maybe even Jimmy Butler over him, but. Uh, Chris Middleton too, but yeah, I mean, he was in that like if you were mentioning the the twenty candidates for all star spots in the East, he was definitely in it. Yeah, I, I have an all star theory, and I have no I have no backing behind this, but I uh, I think that some of the teams that did not go to the bubble were rewarded a little bit higher this year. Um, Interesting, you know, and I'm not I'm not no just just on this level, right? You know, they lost out on some revenue, right? So I, I don't, you know, it could just be nothing, but you know, Julius Randle. Zach Levine, um, who there, there was there was one more that was there uh, that that was from a bubble team I forget, um, or for a non bubble team, but um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who, who the third guy was. I was like I was like oh, okay, uh, no nah, I think Zach Levine is a bona fide all star. I think Julius Randle is a bona fide all star, but I wonder um, if it would have been a much like you know a little more debate if it was a. Uh, you know, if, if it wasn't for, for that factor, but that's just my conspiracy theory. That's my conspiracy hat. You know, no, I, I, like I said, no information on that or anything like that. I'm just like, I'm like, hmm. I'm like, okay, like, you, you guys get you, you guys get your markets a little bit more glamorized this uh, this All Star weekend. <laughs> so, which non star, basically, which non Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons player has most impressed you this season on the Sixers? Ooh, um, you know. You, you, you sent me the question list, and like my first instinct last night was Dwight Howard, and I don't have a better answer than that. Um, I think Dwight Howard has just been like from what I expected. I was like, ah, he'll be a backup center, you know. Like I didn't, I didn't think he was particularly that great last year in LA. He has been just everything they needed out of a backup center, filling in when they needed him to be. He's been like great locker room guy. He's been he, like he's he's just been like so supportive of the stars. Uh, I think that. I, I just have to give it to Dwight Howard. He's like the, you know, that, that like just, just everything you want out of a role player. And, and it's, it's just, it's just what he's, he's become. And, and I think that it's, it's going to extend his career a couple of years, uh, even, even more so than, than most people realize. Um, is a secondary ball handler, shot creator, whatever you want to call it, the still the biggest concern need for this team, or do you think they'll be comfortable sort of rocking with you know Tyrese Maxey, Shake Milton if they get into the play? Well, not if when they get into the playoffs. See, that's the thing. I don't think you can. I don't think you can rely on like like I I'm a believer in Tyrese Maxey going forward. I think he's going to be like a really nice piece. Um, I just don't know that you can rely on him now this year, um, just based on what we've seen so far. Um, which is why I do think a trade will come. I just don't know how big that trade will be. I mean, Daryl Morey, during his tenure with the Rockets, made the second most trades in the league, only behind the Sixers. And um, Sam Hankey was there for part of that, just like, just like mad scientist there. So you know, it's like, a, like I think we're going to see Daryl make a trade before the deadline. Are there so to that end? Are there any targets like non-premier targets? Not Bradley Beal, not Kyle Lowry. 
um, that you that you like for them or that you think you could envision them targeting? Uh, when Miami was struggling, um, I thought I thought Goran Dragic was was an interesting uh, potential add. I don't know that that happens now, um, but who knows? I mean, like like he'll be whether he has a long term future there or not. You know, like Miami likes him. Miami has another pick to give up for that deal, so like they're they're probably motivated not to not to give him give him away. But if they can get you know, uh, it, you know, they get they get a pick back for him. I think maybe that that could be a move. I think that kind of player, that like that point guard who can play off the ball as well, is is really what they need. I mean, Shake Milton has been great, but like he should really be like their like he should really be like their fourth guy handling the ball rather than a third. Yeah, I mean, you get into a playoff situation, and you do have to question: is are Shake Milton or is Shake Milton or Tyrese Maxey like? Can they get give you enough shooting too? Just because neither of them are. Maxi specifically like isn't shooting a, a ton of threes or threes all that well. And I think Milton's only is he below thirty one percent right now. I should check that before. Um, he's, he's he's definitely been hot and cold this year. I don't know what his, what his own season, but like it's uh yeah he's like it's just it's just like what kind of guy do you want? And same thing with Danny Green. I'm not sure Danny Green is like the the fifth starter for this team, or at least what you would want this team to be. But I mean it's so so I, I definitely think the the move is coming. I mean. What, what what would you do if you were if you were like the Sixers guy? Like, would you like, or if you were Daryl Morey, rather? I, what's tough is so when I go through the the list of names that I think people should target, so many teams are just going to talk themselves into being in the playoff race right now because so many teams are just in the playoff race right now. And so I don't look at um, anyone as just eminently available. And so for them specifically, it's like. You know, does could they get a you know, Terry Rozier would be perfect for them, but I don't think Charlotte is going to move him hmm. this year. Uh, could they get like a Thomas Sadoransky from Chicago, or with Chicago just? Gonna, I mean, Zach Levine would be a good fit in Philly too. But focusing on non premier targets, it's like how many of these teams are going to you know be sellers, and that is something that I think we've yet to see outside of you know OKC will be a seller. So George Hill makes some sense for this team if if you could get him and you don't need to give up Danny green in that scenario, which I also think helps. So he would be, but there's also going to be like a trillion teams going after. Um, can you go super low end and just think, uh, well, someone like Javon Carter, can we use him and he'll hit more of his threes if he's on our team? Um, the problem there though, is if you want someone who can handle the ball too, he's just, that's not going to be your, your guy that you turn to. And so I think they're going to be in a market where they're just probably aren't as many options and they could end up with like a low end thing where it's all right. The Knicks are just looking to get rid of Austin rivers at this point. They end up with someone like that who helps, but I just, I'm wondering if they could get a, a big needle mover, uh, maybe an Evan Fournier, if he's available, that would be a, someone who's really good for them. There are names out there. It's just so tough. And look, they don't have, if you don't want to give up Danny green, which I think would be reasonable because your defense is still going to be fine without him. And he's not going to close, you know, I think at this point they seem if you had to predict their most, you know, their most relied upon closing unit, like it's gonna be Embiid, Simmons, Curry, uh, Tobias Harris, and probably Shake Milton over Danny. Like maybe you mix and match that a little bit, but at the same time, I would understand why you wouldn't want to give up Danny Green if the player you're acquiring isn't necessarily gonna be in the best version of your your closing lineup. And so there's the dilemma there. I think I would just default to George Hill feels like he would be a really good fit for them. Yeah, I think he's he's been linked to them before. You know, I I wonder if that's going to be a buyout thing, um, more so than anything else. And my guess would be no, because before he had his right thumb surgery, he was shooting like sixty something percent on drives, and he could still stroke it from three. And you have the option with that non guaranteed year on his deal next season. I think for ten million, uh, you have the option of either waiving him for one, or that might be useful just to bring back 
so having that little extra option of keeping him around, I think will go a long way. So my expectation would be that he actually gets moved rather than bought out. Yeah, because I, I do think he was playing really well. And like, you know, when you when you look at like the market for someone making less than ten million dollars a year, like most of these teams, most of these contenders could probably squabble together enough salary to even to, to make that move. Um, and the Sixers could do that as well. I mean, you, you, you throw Mike Scott and one of the, one of the younger guys together, you're almost there. Uh, is that is that like enough? Is that is that what you want to like? Do we want to give up Matisse Thibel for George Hill, right? And I think that's where that's where I think the the difference between like the trade and it may not take it. Maybe, maybe the Thunder are like give us two second round picks or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, they, even they this year's it. first for the Sixers, like if it's a matter of just right, filler right, first, yeah, like 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 what we know we're going to be in the in the bottom half or, or the bottom bottom like you know like five to ten. Yeah, sure, we'll we'll, we'll give this over to you. And like, yeah, if that's the price, then sure. Um, but I mean, I, I know I know teams are like. Uh, if they trade Matisse Thibel, like there's, there's a lot of interest for 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 that guy. I mean, like he's he's like he's going to be in the, the you know like all NBA defense his conversation for the rest of his career as long as he uh, stays healthy. He's got to work on his offensive game, but like um, I I think if I'm a team like the Thunder, if I'm a team like the Cavs, I'm a team like even the Wizards probably. Um, you know, I'm looking at him and I'm saying, okay, like if they trade him, I want to be I, I want to know what that price tag is because. Uh, you know, like I, I, I really think that that's that that's their that's their golden ticket right now. I will say, if Kyle Lowry ends up getting moved to Philly or anywhere else, I'm going to be so because I, it'll one, it'll shock me. I don't think it's going to happen. I will also be. I don't know if the words. I'll be fascinated to see what the package ends up being because I think it has to be like close to a monster hall for Toronto to to do it. Unless Lowry just flat out asks for out, and he's coming up on free agency, and they're still like. They're good now. I don't know why he would necessarily ask for out. So I'll be shocked if he's moved. And I think it takes like a, a really good offer to get him, which is why, you know, when people mention like the Clippers or the Lakers as Lowry landing spots, like, okay, cool, but what are those guys giving to Toronto? Exactly. It is. It's like it's like, you know, like they don't have any picks. They can't do anything, right? The Sixers could. You know, it's just like how much do you want to give up for that? But yeah, I, I don't I don't see a scenario where he like the Clippers or, or the Lakers could do anything crazy. Because there unless, isn't one. That's why you don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless like they get like, okay, we we like this guy, Horton Tucker. We'd love him, you know, whatever. And like you have like a situation like um like the King's owner with Buddy Heald, right? Like I I I just don't think that's Toronto though, you know. Um, yeah, I mean you could they could do some interesting stuff. If people are in love with THT, they have the Dennis Schroeder salary, they have Trez too. Those are two guys that I don't necessarily I mean Schroeder's essential to them now, but if you I've 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 entertained whether the Lakers should roll the dice on Victor Oladipo by like I, are the Ooh. Rockets going to get an offer better than um, you know Truder a second and THT and maybe the Lakers don't want to give up THT for that that's fine uh, but if you attach THT or even a uh, it, I don't think it could be an expiring guys like someone like Caruso might be intriguing to teams but they could go after him in free agency if they want but I've entertained yeah. like do they try and make that high end swing because I don't think Schroeder's the guy to anchor the no LeBron lineups and while those minutes are fewer and further between in the playoffs you still want another reliable creator on the wings and I'm just I'm curious to see whether that's him I'm not saying it's definitively not him but they could look they could move Trez and attach him to salary and make a smaller type move there you could get to probably Victor Oladipo's salary by step laddering and starting with Trez and using THT as the thing. But that's, you know, I, Kyle Lowry just makes so much money. And first of all, those teams just don't have expendable guys making a, a ton of coin aside, unless you view Dennis Schroeder as expendable. So um, who's the, let's say the Sixers, I think, in an, I, well, I don't know if it's ideal, but I feel like the most likely outcome, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that they probably do something along the lines of salary filler and picks, maybe their own first round pick this year. 
But if they move an actual player as an asset, not just salary filler, uh, who's the most likely one to be moved? Is it Matisse Thibel at this point, or could it be Maxi? Could it be Shake Milton? Uh, I think it's Thibel only in the fact that he's the guy who's probably available who has the highest trade value, right? So, I mean, it all, all depends on who they bring back if they need to include him. But, like, if you're, if you're talking about Kyle Lowry, you're talking about, like, I mean, Keith Pompey was, you know, entertaining like a uh, Victor Oladipo. Like, what would that would that look like? And that would that would certainly entail um, Thibault going going to Houston. Um, I don't know that that's a great fit for, um, for 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 the Sixers to get Oladipo. But yeah, if you're getting a guy like that, like Thibault is he, he's the centerpiece in it. Um, I think Maxi. I think I think there's a reason why you heard the rumors of that they didn't want to give up Maxi in the Harden deal. Like they believe in Maxi. He's just not quite ready now. Like but he could be that guy. He could be the starter in uh, in in a couple of years. And he might be a point guard if you if you do trade Simmons for another piece and that piece happens to be a wing. Um like they're very they're very high on Maxi, but I I think most likely you see Thibel as as a main piece. If it's not if it's not that kind of deal, then yeah, this year's first and 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 Mike Scott's salary filler maybe makes more sense. Should they be considered the East's favorites at this point, even if they do nothing? Uh, there's, I think you can. Everyone points to the Nets. I think is their most immediate threat. Um, I'm just curious. You know, if they do nothing, they have Simmons and Thibel, and they obviously have Embiid, but they have Danny Green. They even have Maxi that you could use to give you some ball pressure. Like they could, they could bump like the Nets. Is, they're not going to stop James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, but like they have more bodies than most to throw at Brooklyn. And so I'm wondering, even as currently constructed, if you think that they deserve to be favorites of the East or whether that honor goes to, I would presume you would pick Brooklyn or Milwaukee. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I do think that the Sixers match up well, like somewhat well, right? And I think I think Milwaukee matches up well. Like I would almost argue that Milwaukee has the right pieces to to match up player for player with their stars, you know, with... um Yeah, for with, sure. Giannis and Drew and Chris Middleton. Yeah, and just they, they they need a little more time together. You know, I mean, like they haven't like like Drew missed a lot of time, and I think I think he just came back. Um, you know, and and uh, you know they, they need a little more time to like gel and actually get everything going, and and uh, they, they match up well. But I want to say the Sixers should be the favorite, but like I I I have, I've watched Brooklyn every chance I can get every time they're not playing on a night when one of my teams are playing, and like I just don't see it. I'm like, how how does any of these teams beat this team? Like I, I just don't like James Harden with, with Kyrie as a third option and, and and Kevin Durant healthy without an injury. I don't understand how you beat this team because because everybody else around like all these other all, all these other players like Joe Harris is really good. You know your fourth guy and then you you go all the way down to like you know all the way down to eighth guy ninth guy. Like they, they don't matter as much once you get to the playoffs, right? Like there's going to be on the floor and and you're going to have Harden carrying the team. You're going to have have Durant carrying the team at times. You have Kyrie and if you have one of those guys carrying the team the entire 48 minutes. I, I just don't see how any team in the East beats them. Yeah, it's tough to imagine them being beat four times in seven tries. But when I look at them against Philly, it's like, who who's guarding Joel Embiid in this situation? Like, it's, it's not, shouldn't be DeAndre Jordan. How, how many minutes is that going to get you? And then the thought of Jeff Green or Kevin Durant or Nick Claxton, uh, is Bruce Brown going to be defending Joel Embiid at this point? I, th- I think it goes back to like, like last year, the Wizards beat uh, the Sixers. And all they did was they, they, they beat up Joel in the post, and they let him get twos, and then they shot threes, and threes went in. So they got one win on him. Now that's that's kind of the formula that's, that 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 Brooklyn can do, but they just have way better personnel to execute. And uh, great, you know, have Joel in the post every time. Two, two points, two points, two points. If must, if you can't if you can't stop and slow down 
the offense that Brooklyn has. Um, and and they're, they're equipped to do it. If, if anyone can do it, it's, 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 it's them or Milwaukee. But like, I just cannot, I, I, I just don't see a scenario. I'd be very, I'd be very shocked. I would love to see it. I want, I want a parade in Philly. I mean, the, the, the saying there is, is preparation process parade. That's what, that's what they're saying in, in the building in Philadelphia. And I, I love it. It gets me hyped up. I, I, I leave, I leave zoom calls like, Oh my God, like I should like, you know, like I, like, cause the last parade in Philly was amazing. You know, you want you want another one now, especially once we're able to actually do that. It'd be it'd be fantastic. I just don't see it unless like the Nets have an injury. Like it's they're just, they're just that good. Like James Harden is that good, and that's just that's just my take. I mean, I haven't I haven't watched every single um, Nets game to be able to be like, okay, here's the weaknesses, and I'm sure Doc Rivers and his team are are definitely on that way way more than than I would be or you know most people would be. I just uh, I'm. It's just very tough for me to say, okay, like the Nets are not the favorites right now. Is there anything I didn't ask you about either of these teams that you wanted to get to before we got out of here or anything that's undercovered about the Sixers or the Wizards that you maybe missed something that's misconceived about them? Anything at all that we did not talk about? Um, one interesting thing from going from last year where we had games in, in Washington that were like, they, you know, it was it was an offensive shootout. Like I think the Rockets came in, it was like one fifty eight to one, like 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 one one fifty or whatever for the one game, and like it was like it was like crazy amount of points in these games. You go from that to watching like good defensive teams. It was like for, I I just remember in the beginning of the season I was like oh I was like this Sixers team is kind of boring compared to that. But then you're like okay now I'm like okay now I'm watching I'm watching a good team. Like this is actually fun to watch. But yeah, it's like uh it just watching these two different teams. They're two different styles and. Uh, it's a uh, it, it, it's very interesting. So, but but I will say like you know I, I want to pump up the Wizards a little bit. They're, they're they're a fun watch, and you know they don't have any ESPN games. You know because I don't know why not, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. You know put put the hot offensive team on ESPN. But um, <laughs> I would say check them out when they're on NBA TV a couple times in the last half of the year. Bradley Beal is a joy, and Garrison Garrison Matthews is like controlled chaos. So yeah, they're they're worth a watch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun times in Washington. Chris, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, if you guys are not following Chris, at NBA Krause, that's at NBA, C-R-O-U-S-E. He covers the Sixers, Wizards, and NBA at large for 48 minutes. Follow them on Twitter, at 48mins, spelled out F-O-R-T-Y-E-I-G-H-T-M-I-N-S. Chris, I'm sure I'll be bothering you again in the future. Thanks again for so uh, Thank you again so much. Excuse me for coming on. Thanks for having me on. Always a good time, Dan.